save. It's the same way that you've raised many of us this morning, and I pray that you would raise some that are still here today. And Father, we thank you for this resurrection power, the power of the resurrection. And Father, I just pray that you would anoint this word, that it would fall upon good soil today, that it would bring about a hundred fruit within our lives, that none would leave this place the same. We thank you for that resurrection power, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Why don't we just put our hands together for a moment for the Lord here today. Come on, I'm talking about the one that defeated death, amen. The one that saved us, that delivered us, that changed us when everybody else counted us out, amen. The title of my message this morning is The Power. Everybody say power. The power of the resurrection. See, in our text right here that we read in Ephesians 1, 19 through 23, Paul is writing to the Christians in the church at Ephesus to tell them that he has been praying that they would begin to be aware of the power which was at their disposal through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, this same resurrection power is at our disposal today. See, I believe many of us are living beneath our means. I said many of us are living beneath our means. I don't think we know the power that resides in who lives inside of us. I don't think we realize that, that we have that same resurrection power. I don't think we know that, that we're living beneath our means today. That, you know, many of us are struggling because we choose to struggle. Many of us are battling because we choose to battle. Many of us are going through it because we don't want to submit to the will of God and we keep bumping our heads. I said we're living beneath our means today, but it's about time that we tap into that resurrection power and we allow God to raise us up that we would become all that he's called us to be. Somebody shout praise the Lord. The power of the resurrection. It's about time that we live above our means. Amen. That we be what God has called us to be. That we let God bless our marriages. That we let God save our children. That we let God bless our finances. That we let God heal our bodies. That we let God raise us from that spiritual deadness that we once walked in. I said it's about time. Somebody say it's about time. That resurrection power is here this morning. It's about time that we tap into it and allow God to be God and be who he is. Amen. See, we need to be aware of what God can do in our lives. But if we would but allow him to release his resurrection power in us, we got to allow him. If we would but allow him to release that resurrection power in us. Come on, dude, don't waste the cross. I can't say that more than enough. Don't waste the cross. Jesus died so you could live. Jesus died that we would be set free. Jesus died that we would experience that same resurrection power. It's about time that we stop wasting the cross and say, well, I'm struggling. Well, we choose to do those things because we have the same power that's inside of us that raised Jesus from the grave over 2,000 years ago. But we got to allow that power to be manifested in our lives. It's about time that we stop living beneath our means. It's about time that we experience that resurrection power. I have a, you know, kind of like a poem uh, that was written many, many years ago, and it reads like this, tomb. 
Thou shalt not hold me longer. Death is strong, but life is stronger. Stronger than the dark, the light. Stronger than the wrong, the right. Faith and hope, triumphant say, Christ will rise on Easter Day. And how many guys know that he's risen? I said, how many guys know that he's risen? Right? See, the enemy thought he had him. One day went by. And, you know, him and his flunky fallen angels, they thought that they defeated the Lord once and for all. I'm getting ahead of myself. But one day went by and they were celebrating. Oh, they're like, man, we conquered. We defeated. Oh, Jesus, that was God in the flesh. We defeated him. He's a defeated foe. We are triumphant over his plan. We conquered him. And two days went by and they were still celebrating and they were rejoicing and, and they thought they won. Oh, but glory to God. Thank God that the third day came. Oh, and Jesus, he walked out of that tomb. And because of that, he walked upon the scene of our lives and we're no longer what we used to be. Come on, somebody get excited in this place. See, those of you that are excited, those of you that are able to put your hands together, those that are able to stand and shout, it's because you have that same resurrection power inside of you. And you're alive and well this morning. And you're grateful to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The power of the resurrection. Some of you are like, man, you know, look at them. They're a little, they just lost it for Jesus. Look, they're just a little crazy. They done gone crazy. They lost their mind, right? They're just a little fanatic this morning. Uh, are they loaded today? Are they drunk? Yes, we're drunk with some new wine, right? Right, we're alive and well. The last I checked, Jesus is alive and well. And because he's alive and well, we can celebrate. We can get crazy. We can get, you know, we can lose it for Jesus right here in his house this morning. Right, come on, some of us, we used to be crazy back in the day. Was I the only one? You might, you might have been intoxicated, right? You might have been drunk, not on new wine, some old wine, right? You might have been loaded, you might have been messed up, or whatever the case. You might have not had all your brain cells working right. But we used to do some crazy stuff. Now we're in our right minds. We've been delivered. We've been set free. Jesus is in our lives. Oh, we have a reason to get crazy now. We got a reason to shout. We got a reason to celebrate. Right? Come on. I, I don't want to ask you. You know, some of you can raise your hands, but some of you are a little too dignified. But come on. Some of us, we've been set free from the prison cell, right? We've been set free from the prison cell. I was a young man when I got out of prison. You know, but I was rejoicing, and I didn't even know what rejoicing was. Right? I was dancing, and I didn't even know how to dance. Amen? I was shouting like, oh, the counselor told me, oh, you'll be back. The correction officer, I'll see you again. And I got as angry inside. I said, no, you won't. You ain't going to see me again because I'm not coming back. I refuse to be what I used to be. And I was excited. Right? We got set free physically. We were excited. We rejoiced. Right? We had the joy. Like, man, I I'm out of this prison cell. I've been set free, and we, we were crazy. We, we, we lost it, even though we didn't know who Jesus was, many of us. But what about now? We've been set free from the bondage of sin, right? Jesus conquered death and life, right? He delivered us. 
He put our families back together. He's blessed us with our children, our health, our lives. And because of that, we should be crazy and radical for Jesus Christ. The power of the resurrection. I like what Ray Stedman once said. He said, the resurrection is not only good news. It's the best news possible. It's not only good news, the resurrection, but it's the best news possible. You'll never hear anything better than the resurrection. Oh, because of that same resurrection power. We've been resurrected. So we've been resurrected. So that's the best news possible. Arthur Ramsey put it bluntly. He said, no resurrection, no Christianity. Right? No resurrection, no Christianity. If there is no resurrection, then we're all just crazy. We, we just lost it. Amen? I don't think maybe one of us could be that, and it could be me as the pastor, but I don't think all of you guys could be crazy with me. Right? So there is a resurrection. Oh, I said there is a resurrection. Because without it, there is no Christianity. So the power of the resurrection. But what, what is the power? The first thing we have to realize is it gives us the power to overcome adversity. To overcome adversity. Anybody go through any adverse times? Anybody go through any hard times? Anybody say, man, you know, life is full of trouble, the Bible says. Right? In John 16, 33, it says, man is born of adversity, I believe. And life is full of trouble. But it says, it says, life is full of trouble, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Right? It says, life is full of trouble. And it seems like some of us, our middle names used to be trouble. Right? So why not cause trouble and havoc for the devil in his kingdom, in his dominion, and let's go and invade his territory, and let's take back some of those soldiers that are lost and bound, that are backslidden, that are not living up to their full potential. Power to overcome adversity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 13, it reads there, hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Everybody say, God is faithful. See, he will not suffer you to be tempted above all or above that ye are able. But will with the temptation also make a way, of, a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. So everything that we go through is normal. And see, God's not going to allow us to go through something that we're not able to handle. The problem is this, is I wish that God didn't think so highly of me at sometimes. Like, God, I can't make it through this. And God is like, no, no temptation has, has overtaken you except such as common to man. And I am faithful. I will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Did, did you hear me? God knows what we're able to bear. He knows what we're able to handle. The problem is we don't know that we can handle it. See, there, like that old saying is, if there's no pain, there's no gain. We don't like pain, though. If it hurts, I won't do it. If it hurts, I'll go somewhere else. If it hurts, I'll just leave her. Somebody say, ouch. If it hurts, you know, I'll just, you know, I'll just, you know, whatever. I just won't do it no more. See, but God is saying, okay, the way that I'm going to grow you, the way that I'm going to strengthen you, the way that I'm going to use you is by allowing you to go through some things. But we don't like going through things. We don't like adverse times, right? We don't, we don't like going through trials and tribulation. 
We don't like being in the fire. Uh, we, don't, we don't like, you know, uh, uh, being purified. We don't like the old us being burned out of us. Sometimes we like the old us. We like to hold on to a little bit of pride. We like to hold on to a little bit of jealousy. We like to hold on to a little bit of envy, a little bit of gossip, right? We, we like to hold on to some of those old things. But God is saying, no, I don't want the old you. I want you to be new and improved. I want to download a new app in your life. I want you to be the new and improved version of your life. So he puts us through the fire. But we're like, nah, man, this, this don't feel good. And if we live in a society today, if it doesn't feel good, don't do it. If it hurts, don't do it. If there's a price, don't pay it. And that's the society that we live in today. And because of that, many live beneath their means. Because they don't tap into the power of God, that resurrection power, and they don't get victory and go from glory to glory to glory because they settle for just mediocrity. They settle for the status quo, but it's about time that the church tap into that resurrection power and say, no longer am I going to live beneath my means. But I'm going to become all that God has called me to be in spite of the adversity. Adversity come if you may. But all you're going to do is make me stronger. If it don't kill me, it's only going to make me stronger. And we got, I'm here to tell you, if you don't realize it or not, we got some strong individuals in this place because we've been through some adverse times. We've been through some things and we're still here. Come on, we're still here. The devil thought he had us. He thought he had many of us. But after you've been serving God as long as me, I've been serving him going on 20 years. I'm able to say you should have took me out when you had a chance, when I was still getting high, when I was still representing a neighborhood, when I was still going to jail. You should have took me out because now it's too late because I got the spirit and the resurrection power on the inside, living on the inside of my life. And now I look at adversity in a different way now, in a whole new light. Like, man, okay, God, you know I can handle this. That's why you're letting me go through this. Like, man, God, man, you, got, you, you, you know what I'm made of there. You know me better than I know myself. Because when I look at the mirror and I look in the mirror, I'm like, man, I'm not going to be able to make it through this one. Right? No way. I'm ready to backslide. I'm ready to go back to California. I'm ready to leave the church, my wife, my kids, the people up in here. I'm ready to leave. And God says, no, you ain't. I'm doing something brand new in your life. I want to take you to another level. I got greater things in store. And the only way you're going to get there is by going through adversity. Oh, we don't like that, though. I don't like it either. But afterwards, when you come out, it feels so good. Right? It's the best high you can ever have. I'm just trying to use that terminology so we can relate and understand. Amen. There ain't nothing greater than when you come out of something, when you thought you were defeated. Right. And you come out, you come out putting one foot in front of the next and you come out victorious and you come out saying, you know what, man, I'm stronger now than ever before. And it's because Jesus knows what I can handle. Somebody say praise the Lord. In the book of Luke, chapter 22, in verses 42 through 44, it reads like this. And Christ prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And 
Being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. See, we know this is the Garden of Gethsemane. In the Garden of Gethsemane was the night before Jesus was to be betrayed. And he was going to be flogged and beaten and, and speared and nailed to a cross and whipped 39 minus 1. All that was going to take place, and he knew being 100% God and 100% man, he knew what was waiting for him. He knew that one of his closest disciples was going to betray him. He knew that the rest of them were just about ready to desert him as well. He knew what was waiting for him. He knew that a cross was waiting for him, that there were spikes waiting to be driven through his wrists to hold them to that cross. He knew all that, and before he was able to go through that, he tapped into the power of God. He said, you know what, man, God, I need you. Father up in heaven, I need you because I don't want to go through this. I don't want to die for an ungrateful people. I don't want to die for a sinful people that are going to constantly sin against me. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to go through this. But nevertheless, not my will, let your will be done. And you see, what we need to experience this morning is we need to experience that Garden of Gethsemane as well. Where we say, you know what, God, I don't want to go to church sometimes if we're honest. I, I don't feel like, you know, parenting these kids that are rebellious if we're honest. I don't feel like staying married to my wife or my husband if we're honest all the time. I don't feel like being involved in ministry if we're honest. But nevertheless, not my will, let your will be done. And we need to have that garden of Gethsemane here this morning. We need to say, you know what, man? Life is not just a bed of roses. How many of you guys know roses die as well? It's not just uh, peachy cream and hunky-dory all the time. Right? It's not just a mountaintop experience. We can't just camp up there with Elijah and Moses and just camp up there on that mountaintop. No, sometimes we got to get up here in the desert. And sometimes it gets a little hot down here in the valley of the shadow of death. But how many of you guys know that Jesus will never run out on us? He'll never forsake us. He'll be there with us even during those adverse times. But we need to experience that same garden of Gethsemane that Jesus went through before he went to the cross. See, when Satan saw Christ affixed to the cross... He thought that he finally won. He felt that he had finally put the Son of God through his greatest trial and had defeated Christ. The devil and his crowd threw everything they had into keeping Christ down and from making a comeback from the agony that he experienced. The pain, the suffering, the loneliness, and the death on the cross. But their efforts were futile. You cannot keep the God-man down. How many of you can say praise the Lord? I use this and I say this because I came across this and it's true. Sports Illustrated magazine in November of the 12th of 2001, the issue then, it said it, had, it was entitled The Greatest Comeback of All Time. And it had all kinds of different things. It had Michael Jordan was one of the greatest comebacks after he retired and tried to be a ball player, baseball that is. And then he came back to the NBA and won three more championships. That was listed in the top ten comebacks ever. 
And then there's a couple other ones that I came across. And uh, Elvis Presley was one because I believe he had uh, some TV show that was a flop. And then, boom, he turned it around and it was a great comeback. Back in those eras, back in some of y'all's time, amen, somebody? <laughs> right, Bob? Amen. <laughs> Bob used to do the twists and all that, amen. But do you know that the greatest comeback of all time, what it is? It was Jesus Christ, A.D. 33. It stunned the Romans and defies the critics by his resurrection from the grave. It's considered the greatest comeback of all time. And I'm not talking about some Christian magazine. I'm talking about Sports Illustrated. It calls the resurrection of Christ to be, to this day, the greatest comeback ever. Because the devil thought he defeated him. But Jesus walked victoriously out of that tomb. It's the greatest comeback ever. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 55 and 57, it says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He defeated death. He has the keys to life. And that same resurrection power that he experienced is alive and well and within many of us here this morning. You can experience this same resurrection power. I don't care what background you come from. I don't care the color of your skin. I don't care what side of the tracks you were raised in. It does not matter because God is able to walk upon the scene of your life and you're able to experience that same resurrection power here this morning. That resurrection power, the power of the resurrection. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? This is so true that even Satan cannot deny it. Christ's resurrection and victory over sin, death, and hell is greater than all heaven and earth. You can never imagine his resurrection and victory so great. But that in actuality, is, it is far, far, far greater. In all actuality. In Isaiah 43, 2 and 3, it says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When you walk through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall that flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. The power to overcome adversity. Max Lucado said in his book, Grace for the Moment. Listen to me. Jesus Jesus was born crucified. The force behind the hammer wasn't an angry mob. The hand squeezing the handle wasn't a Roman infantry man. The verdict wasn't decided by jealous Jews. Jesus himself chose the nails. Had the soldiers hesitated, Jesus himself would have swung the mallets. That's how much he loves you. And that's how much he loves me. He has the power to see us through our adversity. He has the power. There's power in the resurrection. The second thing is 
power to give life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 14, it reads like this. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up also by Jesus, raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. So he was able not only that power to give Jesus that resurrection life, but by that same power, he's able to raise us as well. I have a true story that one time a woman wrote, Dr. J. Vernon McGee. And she wrote him this letter and said, this is what she told him. Our preacher said that on Easter, Jesus just swooned on the cross and that the disciple nursed him back to health. What do you think? McGee replied, dear sister, beat your preacher with a leather whip for 39 heavy strokes. Nail him to a cross. Hang him in the sun for six hours. Run a spear through him. Embalm him. Put him in an airless tomb for three days. Then see what happens. How many guys know that the cross was no swoon? It was no trickery. It wasn't that he, you know, got, uh, you know, they resuscitated him and brought him back to life. No, he was as dead as dead can be. And he was buried as buried can be. But death wasn't able to keep him. The grave could not hold him. And Jesus walked out of that tomb. And he's alive and well today. And because he's alive and well, many of us are alive as well. Billy Graham said, There is more evidence that Jesus rose from the dead than there is that Julius Caesar ever lived. Or that Alexander the Great died at the age of 33. See, death is man's greatest enemy. In 1 Corinthians 15 in verse number 26, it reads, The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. But by his resurrection, Christ has disarmed death and one day will dismantle it as well. He disarmed death and he will dismantle it. Because how many guys know that once we accept Christ and we live for Him and we endure to the end, that we have everlasting life. And that when we die, that we wake up in glory. And we virtually live for all eternity. I don't think you hear me this morning. I said that we will live for all eternity. Right? Death, where is your sting? We have to know that we can experience that resurrection power. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 13 and 17, bear with me real quick as I read it. It says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. That we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever 
be with the Lord. I don't know about you, but I can't wait till that day. That one day there'll be no more death. No more mourning, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. Come on, somebody. No more bills. No more worries. No more high prices on gasoline. I'm hoping I get me some wings or something up there. Amen. Right? No more gasoline prices. My goodness. You think we got it bad here. Go to California, amen? Boy, we're blessed here in Arizona. How I many can say amen? amen. <laughs> but resurrection power does not only speak of raising my physically body from a cold grave, but resurrection power gives life to those who are spiritually cold and dead as well. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1, it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespass and sins. He's quickened us. Because how many guys know we were at one time all dead in our trespasses and our sins? We were all no good for nothing sinners. Right? I don't care where you live. I don't care what you drive. I don't care how many dollars or zeros you have behind your checking account, savings account. None of that matters because we were all just no good for nothing sinners. But thanks be to God that God loved us and that his son died for us. And not only died, but he rose on the third day. And in Ephesians 2, 5 and 6, it says, Even when we were dead in, our, in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Listen to this true story I came across, and I, I use, I'm going to use it here, and I put it in here this morning. And it reads like this. When elderly Adele Gabbery turned up missing, concerned neighbors in Worcester, Massachusetts, informed the police. A brother told police she had gone into a nursing home. Satisfied with that information, Gabbery's neighbors began watching her property. Michael Crowley noticed her mail delivered through a slot in the door, piling high. When he opened the door, hundreds of pieces of mail drifted out. He notified police and the deliveries were stopped. Gabri's next-door neighbor, Eileen Duggan, started paying her grandson $10 twice a month to, no to, to mow Grabbery's lawn. Been trying. Later, Duggan's son noticed Grabbery's pipes had frozen, her water pipes, spilling water out the, out the door. The utility company was called to shut off the water. What no one guessed was that while they'd been trying to help, Gabarese had been inside her home. When police finally investigated the house as a health hazard, they were shocked to find her body. The Washington Post reported that police be believe Gabarese died of natural causes four years ago. The respectable external appearance of Gabbery's house had hidden the reality of what, what was on the inside. Something similar can happen to people as well. We may appear outwardly proper while spiritually dead. All sorts of religious activity may be happening outside while the real problem is missed. Spiritual death on the inside. 
See, how many of you guys know that sometimes we could come, we can give our lives to the Lord, we can go into a recovery home, we can get involved in church, we could do all these spiritual aerobics, and we could look good on the outside. We could smile, we know when to clap, we know when to jout, um, jout, shout, amen? I was trying to say jump and shout at the same time, right? We know when to jump, when to shout, when to say amen, when to say praise the Lord. We know when to say glory to God. We know when to say preach it, right? We know when to give those spiritual hugs. Oh, God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. And we look good on the outside. We, we clean shaven. We got ties on. If you got a suit on, you got a coat on. If you got a skirt on, you got high heels on, got your nails did, your hair did, right? Brush your teeth this morning. We look good. But what about on the inside? How do we look on the inside? See, because the Bible says God looks on the inside while man looks on the outside, on the outward appearance. Right? God is looking at your heart. And the Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it but God? Sometimes people say, well, my heart is leading me to do this. Guys in the home say, well, I feel in my heart that it's time for me to leave the home and get a job. Well, you don't want to go off of what your heart feels because the Bible that I have says the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it other than God? Right? Sometimes couples start dating. Oh, I believe this is the one, Pastor. I was like, okay, what makes you believe this is the one, finally? Your tenth one. Amen, somebody. My heart. I feel it in my heart when I see her. I get goosebumps. No, the air's on. Amen. <laughs> right my heart this is the one oh i get googly and i get all bubbly and no you got a hangover amen <laughs> and i ain't talking about a prayer an all-night prayer night either and you know what gets me people start saying oh we read the bible together come on right we pray Man, better cut that stuff out, amen? <laughs> You're going to pray all right. Who are you praying to is the question, right? <laughs> we look good on the outside, right? Tell your neighbor you look good. Tell your other one you look irritated about you. You won't always be defeated, always angry, always mad, always like always ready to back. You won't be like that if you are on fire on the inside. If you got the Spirit of God working on the inside, it'll be evident on the outside. But so many times we just judge the outside. Oh, she looks good now. You don't know she's still drinking once in a while. Huh. Oh, he looks good now. He gained a little. That's because the home, they eat, man, 24-7. Amen. They, they eat at work. They eat at home. They get up at night when they're not supposed to do. And they eat then as well. So they gain their weight back. Don't say, oh, you're ready to come home now because you got your weight back. No, look at the heart. Let God show you what's on the inside. Look at their character. Look at, you know, what's taking place on the inside. Listen to what they talk about. They'll tell on themselves. Right? Come on, somebody say, praise the Lord. In the book of Romans 6.4, it says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, 
even so we also should walk in newness of life. There has to be a change that takes place and it occurs within our lives. We have to be new creatures like 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. The old is dead. The old is passed away. And behold, the newness has risen. And we walk in that newness of Christ. Lastly, number three, the power to live victoriously. The resurrection power has the power to allow us to live victoriously. See, there is not a lost person alive who can truthfully say that he is living a joyful, victorious, and fulfilled life. See, if they're lost, they can't live joyful, victorious. And they can't have that fulfilled life. Because how many guys know that there'll be a void that is always missing? And sometimes that missing piece... We think, well, maybe if I drink once in a while, it'll fill that void that I have. Maybe if I, you know, smoke a little bit of this once in a while, it'll fill that void that I have. Maybe if I sleep with this person or that person, maybe it'll fill the void that I have. And we're trying like that old school song says, we're looking for love in all the wrong places. When God is saying, I love you so much that I sent my son to die for you. I raised him for you. Let him be the love of your life. But we're trying to fill this void with so many other things. He doesn't have, the, the individual that is lost doesn't have the essential ingredient for victorious life. There is a void in mankind which can only be filled by Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, life is never at its best. Many believers live discouraged, dry, desolate, defeated lives because they fail to let go of their futile attempts to live victorious lives in their own strength and let the risen living Lord take over and live the victorious life uh, through them by His resurrection power. See, so many times, we want to live our own lives, our own way. And we think that we're going to be fulfilled if we do it our way. If we, you know, we know best, we think at times. And the enemy has us to believe that God is some killjoy up in heaven just dictating what we can and can't do. No, he puts boundaries. He puts you know, walls of protection. He fortifies us and he tells us to live in these parameters and you won't have to go through a lot of that nonsense that's on the outside of this fortified wall. But so many times we want to know best. I just want to do it my way. I want to live my life. I want to live it my way. I'm not going into the home. I'm not going to finish the home. I don't like people telling me what to do. You know, I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. You know where self got you? Do we forget what self did to us? Right? Self used to be suicidal. Self used to be in bondage. Self used to be incarcerated. Self was on the verge of, 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 you know, dying. Self was on the verge of losing your spouse, your family, your kids, your very own life. That's all self ever got us. It's about time that we allow that resurrection power to live within us, to cause us to live victoriously. 
In Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20, it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. See, it is the resurrected Christ living in us that gives us the strength to live victoriously. Martin Luther once said this, and I'm just about done. He once said this because once he was so depressed over a prolonged period that one day his wife came downstairs wearing all black. Martin Luther said, who died? She said, God has. He said, God hasn't died. To which she replied, well, live like it and act like it. Because sometimes, how many guys know we live defeated lives? We live dead lives. We live discouraged lives. And, you know, starting with us men, if we're married, if we have kids, if we have family members that see us, we need to be good examples, us men. We need to man up. Come on, women, say man up. Come on, women, say it like you mean it. Man up. It's about time that we man up. Amen. It's about time that we lead our families. It's about time that we stop acting like we're living in some pity party and poor me and nothing's ever going to happen. Not if you live with that attitude, nothing's ever going to happen. It's about time that we man up and say, you know what? I'm the man of this house. Then act like the man of this house and lead your family by being that godly example and bringing them to the house of the Lord and laying these kind of hands on them. These kind of hands, right? Come here. Let me pray for you, woman. Bring the kids over here, too. I'm going to lay hands on everybody. Bring my in-laws, outlaws, bring them all. I'm going to lay hands on everybody. Bring the neighbors, bring everybody. I'm about to lay hands on everybody. Right? We think, oh, I'm going to hit you. Oh, don't lay those kind of hands. She ought to hit you back. Pick something up and go upside his head. He won't hit you no more. Get him when he's asleep. <laughs> That's cold. Get him when he's asleep. He won't wake up. You'll wake up three days later. What happened? Where did I get this knot from? I, I don't know. I don't know. I know nothing. All right? Man, do you know how I got this black eye? I, I don't know. <laughs> get him when he's asleep. Amen? Just get the biggest frying pan that you have in your house. Keep it hot, too, while you're at it. Amen? Say, so you hit me, boy. That'd be the last time you ever put hands on me. Right? Want to put hands? Put spiritual hands. Get over there and get your hands full of oil. Right? Get some olive oil, Crisco oil. Get all the oil you got in your house. And soak those hands. And begin to lay hands on everybody in the house. Say, man, may I, I may have not been the leader of my house. But from this day on, I've been resurrected with the power of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to lead this house. I'm going to lead my family. Because I have experienced that resurrection power. It's about time. Come on, women. Say, man up. Ooh, I like that, huh? It's all right. Let the men get mad at me. I'd rather have the men mad at me than the women. I'll tell you that much. Boy, men, I just, they shake it off eventually. Women, man, they get on the phone. They call, did you hear, pastor? I don't want none of that, amen? <laughs> Let the men do it nowadays too, though, amen? Facebook, text. You know, uh, what's that other one? Uh, what's that other one? Uh, Twitter, yeah. Tweaker on Twitter, amen? Just 
Praise the Lord. Everybody say victorious. All right, let me finish here. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, God raised him, it says, Christ up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. In Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now unto him that is able, he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. See, for the Christian to trust is to triumph. I have this thing that I want to read about the cross. Maybe I can have Danny and maybe just Allison come forward. The cross. It's entitled The Cross. See, the cross, it rests on the timeline of history like a compelling diamond. Its tragedy summons all sufferers. Its absurdity attracts all critics. Its hope lures all searchers. My, what a piece of wood. History has idolized it and despised it, gold-plated it, and burned it, worn it, and trashed it. History has done everything to it but ignore it. That's the one option that the cross does not offer. No one can ignore it. You can't ignore a piece of lumber that suspends the greatest claim in history. A crucified carpenter claiming that he is God on earth. Why don't we all stand? Maybe they could put that video on. They could probably, you could dim the lights, that's fine. I think that happened this morning for a reason, because I believe it fits so perfectly with this illustration, this true story that I have. Just listen and watch those screens. I, I haven't seen what they're showing, so... But listen to this, as a child at a church's camp, a church camp, a missionary told us, or he told of a story that the missionaries traveled one day into a remote village that was rarely visited by outsiders, living as their ancient ancestors did the people were fascinated with motorized vehicles and electricity these missionaries brought in a generator to show a film strip pre presentation of the life of christ they invited all the villagers to come stretching a white sheet on the side of the largest hut in the complex they prepared for the evening program the people were aghast to see such a bright light projected on the sheet and were even more startled when they focused their eyes on the images. As the missionary spoke to them about the story of Jesus, they sat in awed silence. When the crucifixion scene was flashed on the sheet, one of the men jumped up. He ran to the sheet and shouted, 
Come down from there, son of God. That is my place, not yours. How sad that so many are no longer moved by the story of love. Realizing the extent of God's devotion and mercy should cause all of us to cry. Come down from there, son of God. That is my place, not yours. And this morning, maybe they could turn the lights back on. I don't know what the film shows. Honestly, I don't know. I can't see it from here. But I believe that as we look at those images, I believe all of us should be like that young man and we should be shouting, Come down from there, Son of God. That is my place, not yours. Why don't we bow our heads as we pray and we open these altars. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. And Father, I pray, God, that you would draw your people to yourself. I pray, God, that we would be so grateful, God. Father, if we have a spouse standing next to us, that we would be grateful for that spouse. Father, if we have children, babies, kids that you have given us, those are gifts that come from above, that we would be so grateful for them. Father, if we have the breath of life this morning, God, that we would be grateful that you woke us up, that you delivered us, that you set us free. Father, let us not get caught up in the secularization of Easter, God. But let us remember for what it is. It's the day that Jesus was resurrected. And because of that resurrection power. Father let us have that attitude of that. That individual in that village God. Let us come and say come down from there. Son of God that is not your place. But mine. And let us love you and serve you. Let us renew our commitments to you God. And let us Father never take God. Our salvation lightly. Father, let us never lose focus of what this day really represents, that resurrection power. Let us experience it once again up close and personal. Have your way in our lives. We love you, Jesus. Amen and amen. These are